Hi, this is April Schoen, and on this week's episode of the Secure Retirement Podcast, we'd like to share a webinar we recently recorded on the topic of Social Security. We think you'll find it impactful and hope you enjoy it. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. This is April Schoen, and I want to first say thank you for taking time out of your day to, to join us. Um, I've got John Curry, author of Preparing for a Secure Retirement, here with us today. And we're going to be going through Social Security. It's kind of funny that we're doing this today. John has been doing this, is it 43 or 44 years? 44 years now. Okay, he's been doing this 44 years. He turned 66 in December. So get this, today he got his first Social Security check deposited. So it's very funny, I think, that we're doing a webinar on Social Security and he just started collecting his benefits. So I'm sure he'll have plenty to tell us about his experience of uh, going through the process of collecting his benefits. All right. I want to first just start. I'm going to give a couple minutes for a couple other people to join us. And while we're doing that, I'll just start and tell you a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to talk about how Social Security works, uh, what you should know what you maybe don't know about Social Security and some of the delayed retirement credits. We're going to talk about different payment scenarios. And then lastly, we're going to talk about some issues around the program um, and just some things that you need to be aware of as you're planning for your retirement. I know John and I, when we meet with clients and at our seminars, we find that Um, retirement planning is just it's much more complicated than you may think it is so hopefully today we'll at least tackle some of these complicated issues around Social Security and give you some insight about the program if you have any questions as you're going through feel free to type them in the chat box and we'll try to get to those as we can all right I think we're ready to get started John all right let's go You made a comment, April, about how Social Security and retirement planning is complicated. Uh, I want to share with the group for a minute what I went through, my experience with Social Security and Medicare. As you get close to 65, you're going to be bombarded with uh, one piece of junk mail, it looks like, after another, trying to get you to enroll in some type of Medicare supplement policy. Many of you on this call have already experienced that. You're already on Medicare. Many of you are not. The issue is becoming more and more complicated because we're concerned about the solvency of Social Security and Medicare. And when do you take it? In my case, I did not take Medicare until 66 because I was under a group plan. Well, what's that got to do with Social Security? Well, Medicare and Social Security are tied together. So when you're 65, you automatically go on Medicare Part A. But Part B, you don't have to do it automatically. You can enroll or not. If you don't enroll, there's some penalties if you don't do it properly. So Social Security and Medicare, even though we get a lot of questions on it, over the past year with me doing the homework I've been doing, it's made me have another level of awareness about how complicated it is and also the amount of misinformation that's out there. Some of what I'm going to cover today is a little different than I might do face-to-face, but not a whole lot different. 
on the screen, you'll see some background information. The average monthly benefit as of this month, January 2019, is $1,461. Let that sink in for just a minute. That's the average monthly benefit from Social Security. And you'll see on the left-hand side, all these people, you have beneficiaries at the top and workers at the bottom. Well, that visual would make you think that there's an equal number of workers for beneficiaries. That's not the case, as you'll learn as we go through this. There are fewer and fewer workers that are supporting the beneficiaries. Beneficiary meaning those of us, and I'm now one of those who's collecting the benefit. In the past, I thought, eh, people don't need to hear this. But I think you do need to know this because the average benefit is not a big number. There are a lot of people out there that are living on five and six hundred dollars a month from Social Security. And as you'll see in a few minutes, there are some numbers that uh, re reflect the maximum benefits, depending upon your age when you retire. This next visual, how does Social Security work? I find there's a lot of confusion still on this. When you get 40 credits, you are fully covered, you and your spouse, for Social Security and for Medicare. But what is a credit? A credit is $1,360 of earnings. So if you earn $1,360, that's deemed to be one credit. So basically, if you have 10 years of work, you probably have uh, your full 40 credits. It used to be just based on 10 years and not a dollar amount. That was changed a few years back. And by the way, we all hear the phrase FICA. Let's make sure you know what it stands for. That stands for Federal Insurance Contributions Act Tax. So they're taking our money, but sometimes we forget what it stands for. I have to remind myself occasionally just look at it. Federal Insurance Contributions Act. So what does that mean? The name says it all. Social Security is a form of insurance. So we're all paying into a, an insurance program. And the name says it all, April. Mm -hmm. It's funny. I just had a conversation with a client yesterday, and they said, oh, I don't think they do credits anymore. And I said, no, they actually still do. It's Most people don't know how those credit things work, but um, they still do go by the 40 credits. That's correct. And by the way, while we're doing this today, we're going to be going back and forth. So you may hear April jump in occasionally, and you may hear me ask her to cover something that might apply based on our activity with clients. And by the way, April, I need to cover this. Mm -hmm. Since we're talking about my Social Security benefit, uh, people are asking me, am I retired? The answer is no. I'm not retired. I'm collecting my Social Security and also my pension with Guardian, but I'm still working. What I am doing, I'm not working as much. I have some property uh, over in Jefferson County. I was over there with my son and my grandson earlier this week. I'll be doing that more that I will still be seeing clients for as long as clients want me and as long as I'm healthy and I am healthy <laughs> and ready to go. Good. So I just want to make sure people know that you're not putting me out to pasture I'm, yet. I'm not putting you out to pasture just yet. Uh, tell the people what your attitude about my retirement. <laughs> I usually tell him about his birthday. He can go enjoy his retirement birthday weekend and I'll see him on Monday morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually my joke about his retirement. She's a slave driver. Mm-hmm. Okay, how is your benefit determined? It's based by averaging your highest 35 years of salary. A lot of misinformation on this one. People say, well, uh, if I worked for 50 years, it's an average of all of it. That's not true. 
it's the highest 35 years. What if you don't have 35 years? So, for example, you had 25 years of work. Well, they will fill in zeros to fill in the other 10 years. So it's important to notice 35 highest years of salary. And this is something that many people do not know about. Paper statements are no longer mailed. Uh, they mailed them, then they quit, and then they started sending them to certain age groups. Now you have to go online if you want a statement. And we would encourage you to do that. Uh, every time April and I see clients, we encourage them to go to socialsecurity.gov or you go to ssa.gov. But you really should go in and set up your own personal record. Yes, I know. Um, I remember we actually heard from someone at Social Security a couple of years ago that they were actually having issues with um, identity theft. They were having issues with other people going in and trying to set up an, an account for you. Um, so that they could get information about your Social Security benefits. So we highly encourage everyone to go on to Social Security's website and set up your own login. And for those where Medicare is an issue, same thing. Uh, Medicare no longer puts your Social Security number on your Medicare card. It's just your, your account number, I call it, uh, because of the fraud. It's mm -hmm. become a big issue. There's some people out there who are pretty bold going after Social Security and Medicare. So they're, they're not even fearful of dealing with the federal government and taking money. Okay, let's switch over a little bit to what you should know. If I can get this mouse to work out. Oh, here we go. <laughs> the year you were born determines your full retirement age. Uh, we still see people who think that once they're 65, they start collecting full retirement age type benefits. That's not the case. Uh, if you're born between 1943 and 1954, then full retirement age is 66. And then each year thereafter, you add, so for example, 1955, you add two months. So it's 66 and two months, then 66 and four months, six months, eight months, 10 months, up to age 67. So if you're born 1960 or later, full retirement age is 67. Why was this done? It was done as a way to delay people retiring and collecting as much money. It was a way the actuaries came up with to hopefully extend the life of the Social Security Trust Fund. I'm of the opinion that they never should have allowed us to take Social Security at 62 anyway. And you'll see that coming up in a couple of slides. Uh, and they should probably not have done it this way, that's to say either 66 or 67. But what do I know? I'm just out here advising clients every day. <laughs> On this next visual, <clears throat> you'll see taking benefits at age 62, 66, and 70. So in this example, we're going to assume that you were born between 1943 and 1954, so that your full retirement age is 66. In a program we use called the Living Balance Sheet, we're able to help you do some projections where you can see what your benefit would be at each of these three ages. So that's something you'd like to see. Come in and meet with us and we'll walk you through how Social Security ties into any benefits you have with uh, a pension like with the state of Florida or the city or county, how it applies to your 401k, and uh, how to coordinate this to get the maximum benefits. But at age 62, 
if you start your benefits, you're getting 75% of what you could have gotten had you waited to age 66. Age 66, you get 100%. If you wait until 70, you get 132% of the benefit. In other words, you're getting a delayed benefit by waiting. And we'll get into that a little more detail in the next page. But these are the maximum numbers. At full retirement age, the maximum benefit is $2,861. If you wait until age 70, your benefit is $3,739, $3,739. Pretty big jump. So there's a big debate. We have people who come in. They insist that they're going to take their benefit at 62, April, because mm -hmm. the system's going bust. I don't trust those people up there in Washington. They're going to steal my money, so I'm going to take mine at 62. Then you have others who say, I'm going to wait all the way to age 70 because I want that additional 32% increase. Then you have people like me who decided to take it at full retirement age. Mm -hmm. So you want to share with the group what we have been discovering, talking back and forth with clients on that? Yeah, I think, um, I think one of the things I'll say is that every situation is different and every client situation is different. So, you, you know, I, we, we try to shy away from blanket statements. And we do look at everyone's individual situation to see what makes sense. Again, for you, John, you know, you're taking it 66, made sense. Um, I had a client right before Christmas, I was talking to her and she's 68 and her plan was to wait till 70. And then we looked at the numbers and it just, it didn't make sense. And so in her case, um, it made sense for her to go ahead and start taking her benefit now. Um, and then we, we do have others who may wait until age 70. And there's a time and a place for that as well. Right. And people ask me why I decided to take it at 66, even though I'm still working. For me, it's the time value of money. I decided I'd rather have the money in my hands now and take that money and do things with my children, my grandchildren and my great grandchildren now instead of waiting. Mm -hmm. Plus, I'm healthy, but I did have open heart surgery uh, July 10th, 2008. So I do have some heart disease and none of us are promised tomorrow. So after looking at all the numbers, I decided to take the benefit now and do other things with the money. Now let's talk about when it might make sense to delay. Some people have not done a very good job of having life insurance or saving other money. If that is the case, the longer they can delay, then they may want to consider that because ultimately when you pass away, your benefit that you're collecting will determine what the spouse will get, the widow or widowers will cover later. So for some people, they delay even longer because they want to make sure their benefit is greater for the person they're leaving behind. And we'll touch on that briefly in a few minutes. But 62, 66, or 70. And a lot of that will come down to the type of planning you've done, your liquidity, how much savings you have, how much you have in state deferred comp, an IRA, 401k, profit sharing plans. All of this has to be looked at together, not just in a vacuum. And this will show you year by year between 66 to uh, 70 what happens. And I'll stick with the age 66 for now. Full retirement, 100%. If you wait until 68 is 116%, 124, and at age 70, 132%. So that's how these numbers are uh, uh, derived. 
it's an 8% increase for each year you delay. That works out to be 0.67% per month. And it is pro rata. So if you delayed one year, if I waited to age 67, for example, it would be up by 8% for that, that benefit for the 116. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, your statement. On the statement, you'll see a lot of numbers. And we're not going to try to cover all this. But this would show you what your benefit is at age 67 for this person, assuming full retirement age, 70 and 62. So your statement that you will get online, and some of you have gotten some of these in the mail before, probably everybody actually on this call. Mm -hmm. But it gets into what the disability benefit would be, family survivors, and also uh, Medicare. So we encourage you, if you've not done it yet, go to Social Security's website, log on and set up your personal account and uh, start reading and studying some. And for those of you who don't want to do that, just come see us every now and then and we'll help you and we'll give you our best thinking and what we uh, have learned along the way. Uh, April and I both are studying this constantly. Uh, I don't know when yet, but at some point this year I'll be attending a intensive uh, two-day workshop on Social Security and Medicare. And I, I love going to those because I'm around other people who do similar type work and we share ideas and we always come back and uh, share that with our clients. Okay. Cost of living adjustments. This is, I think a little trivia that you should see in 2009, the COLA was 5.8%. Then nothing in 2010 and 11, 2012, 3.6%. Then in 13, 1.7%. 2014, 1.5, 2015, 1.7%, 2016, zero. In 2017, people were complaining to us and saying, that was an insult. I only got you know, three-tenths of a percent increase. 2018 was pretty good, 2%. And 2019, 2.8. Now, but let's talk about what this is tied to. You'll see here it's tied to the Consumer Price Index for Urban Wage Earners and Clerical Workers. This is not what you see published by the media when they talk about the consumer price index. This is a specific index. So when you hear somebody, one of the talking heads say inflation is 4%, you cannot just assume that you're going to get a 4% increase in your benefit. And that's where people get disappointed, April, because mm -hmm. they'll hear something on CNN or Fox News or Business News or something. And they go, well, wait a minute. They say inflation is 4%, but I didn't get that. It's because it's based on this particular index. And there's a correlation, right, with um, what happens with Medicare. When you're, you, you get a cost of living increase when Social Security, but then you can also see your Medicare premiums go up too, correct? That is correct. Yeah. And even though we're not talking about Medicare today, we will be, is it okay to get into the details of our seminar we're going sure. to be doing? On January 31st, we're going to be doing a seminar, and we'll be talking about Social Security and Medicare. So I'm not sure when you'll be hearing this, uh, because some people will hear a replay of this later. But on January 31st, we're doing a seminar, and we'll be doing some throughout the year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we'll also do um, another web we'll do another webinar on Medicare basics as well sometime this year, for sure. Very good. We will do them as long as people want them. 
And we have a lot of people on this call today. In fact, we were surprised because we didn't know how many people would respond this early in the month of January. Yes. So we were surprised at the number of people who registered. Let's talk about taxes. And I'm going to do this briefly because I know sometimes April would get bogged down on this. Mm -hmm. And it's really, I'm going to keep it simple. It depends on if you're filing an individual or a joint return. Here's the bottom line. Part of your benefit, up to 50% of it, could be taxed or on the high side as an individual, 85%. And it's based on your income. So if you earn between 25 and 34,000, then 50% of your benefit could be taxed. And it's if your combined income, and I'll do this briefly because we can get bogged down. How do you get combined income? It's based on your adjusted gross income plus any non-taxable interest. Let's say you had money in uh, muni bonds plus one half of your social security benefit. Add this up and that equals your combined income. So if your combined income is in this range of 25 and 34, then 50% of your benefit would be taxed. The maximum that would be taxed would be 85% of your benefit if you earn over 34,000. If you're filing a joint return, then the 50% kicks in at 32,000 to 44 and 85% if you earn over 44,000. A lot of people out there who think these numbers are way too low, that the income should be raised so that less of your benefit is taxed. Fat chance of that happening when Congress is sitting there worried about how to make this thing work. So I don't think you'll see that happen. Probably should, but it's not likely. Now, I like this visual because in our seminars, we have some fun with this and we actually have a trick question. Don't have time today to play the trick on you, so I'll just <laughs> give you the bottom line. If you are 62 years old and you're going to take your benefit, any income you earn over $17,640 in 2019 will cause you a bit of a reduction. What it means is your benefit is reduced $1 for every $2 above this limit. That's why you hear some people say, well, I can't earn more than $18,000 because I'll lose some Social Security benefit. That's what they're referring to. In the year that you attain full retirement age, anything over $46,920 of earnings results in $1 reduction for every $3 above this limit. But here's the trick question part. Once you are in the month of full retirement, in my case, December, then there is no earnings limit. You could literally earn a million dollars and not have your benefit reduced. Tax issues, but not a reduction of the benefit. And that's another reason why it's important to know, <clears throat> pardon me, what your income looks like from retirement accounts, because every dollar you take out of a retirement account is taxable income, and it does impact the taxation of your social security benefits and it also impacts your medicare premium because if you earn a certain income and above that income uh, 85,000 is number this year over the 85,000 your medicare premium is not 134 it's 134 plus a surcharge it could be as high as 420 dollars a month i think it is but these are some of the things we'll be covering in the future with our combined Social Security and Medicare. Mm -hmm. 
right, so let's jump ahead to different payment scenarios. The most common one is spouse A. Let's just let's just pretend for a moment that April and I are married. I'm spouse A. This is my benefit. And let's suppose that her benefit, let's say mine is a thousand a month to make the math easy. And April's benefit is $250. The system would give her enough to where her benefit is half of mine. So I get my 1000 and she'd be collecting $500 per month. Anything you want to add there, April? No, I just, just confirming that again, we'll say that one more time is that the way the spousal benefit works is one spouse, you can claim up to 50% of the higher earner's record or your own, whichever is higher. So in this case, we're pretending that uh, me, the wife, has a lower Social Security benefit than the husband. And so their benefit would be up to 50% of the spouses. But you, it'll be the option of either your spousal benefit or your own benefit, whichever is higher. Very good. Thank you. <clears throat> Pardon me. And let's talk about widow or widower's benefit. You want to cover this? Um, sure. So for the widow or widower's benefit, um, if the surviving spouse's benefit is less than the benefit of the decedent, the surviving spouse will get the higher earning records benefit. So let me give kind of that example again. So let's say that spouse A's Social Security benefit was $1,000 per month and spouse B was getting the spousal at 500. Well, if spouse A passes away, spouse B's benefit now is $1,000 per month, but they don't get both. They don't get their own and plus the second spouse. They only get one of the two. They'll get the higher of the two benefits. That's how the widow and widowers works. Very good. Thank you for covering that. Mm -hmm. Also, you'll see if you remarry, benefits continue if you remarry when you are 60 or older. The key is age 60 or older. Mm -hmm. And let's take a look at a little bit different scenario. Uh, I'm not going to take time to cover all of these, but there are different benefits for survivors also. So widow or widowers would get 100%. As April just said, um, if you are age 60 to full retirement age, it's reduced where this benefit is assuming full retirement age. And there's benefits for disabled widow, uh, even a child. Mm -hmm. uh, we could get so bogged down here. I don't want to get stuck on this, but just be aware that there are other benefits also as far as payout uh, scenarios. Okay, what about divorces? If the marriage lasted for at least 10 years or longer and the lower record spouse remains unmarried, each spouse is entitled to a benefit. So in each spouse is 62 or older. If the higher record spouse remarries, the new spouse's benefit is not affected. So what does this mean? Uh, pick on me again. So I'm spouse A and I'm divorced. And I, uh, I have an ex-wife that I was married to for 10 years or longer, and she has not remarried. Then she'd be entitled to 50% of my benefit. 
as if we were still married. We find so many people who do not know about this. We found situations where we've had to, to ask people, are you aware that you qualify for this benefit? Like, I did not know that. So this is something that uh, is overlooked. And what if I had three wives and I happened to be married to each one of them for 10 years in one day? Well, all three would qualify. Now, some people say, well, that's, that's a weakness in the system that our Social Security program would pay out that much money potentially, but that's the way the law is. So just be aware of that. And we find that a lot of benefits are left on the table, and sometimes we have to refer people back to Social Security office and say, look, we think you might be entitled to a benefit. Go talk to them. And they come back and say, oh, I got more money than I thought. And just know, too, that if you are the you're going to receive a spousal benefit on your ex-spouse's record. Just know it does not affect their record at all. It doesn't affect their benefit at all. Um, as John said, if they got remarried, their current spouse could also claim under their record. Uh, so we get that question sometimes about will it affect their benefits or anything along those lines, and it does not affect them at all. Very good. Now, this is something we're going to cover next that um, – we find that most people have never heard of and hadn't thought of. And uh, we have fun with this in uh, meetings and also in seminars, but we're going to talk a little bit about it today um, and give you kind of like a, a big picture view. It's a little different. Now we're going to assume that the lower record spouse starts collecting and they get their 50%. Okay, 50% of what the higher record spouse was getting. And they have to be full retirement age to do, to do this now. So let's stick with the 66. So they're both 66, and they decide to do this. The higher record spouse could actually file and do what they call delay, but could collect on the lower record's income. So let's just say this is $500 per month, and this benefit would be $250 per month. Doesn't sound like a lot of money but that's money coming in that would not have been collected. Then at age 70, the higher record spouse says, okay, I'm now going to switch to my benefit and collect the full benefit. So this is what is called spousal benefit and delayed retirement credits. So lower income person takes their benefit. Higher income person says, okay, I'm going to take my benefit based on my spouse. I'm going to delay mine until I'm 70. Mm -hmm. It used to be more attractive, but that was taken away in 2015. Some changes were made in the tax law, excuse me, social security laws. Uh, and it was the first time that Congress actually did something very fast with social security. Was it within a matter of weeks? <clears throat> weeks. That's correct. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, issues around the program. We'll have some fun with this because this is something that uh, as I'm sitting here across the table from you, that's going to impact you and your generation big time. That's right. So you want to jump in and talk about this one just a little bit? Sure. One of the major issues um, for Social Security is that the ratio, the, the number of workers in the field, so the beneficiaries, it's projected to shrink over time. Um, it, 
it's projected there might be there's going to be more people collecting Social Security than actually like paying into it. And so that you can see why that would be a, a problem down the line. Um, they're projecting that by 2035, there will be about two workers for each beneficiary. Say that again. The uh, Social Security Administration estimates that by 2035, there's going to be two workers for each beneficiary. So you're not going to have as many people that are paying in, paying their taxes today to benefit the beneficiaries who are actually receiving benefits from Social Security. And let me give you a little history. In 1945, there were about 40 workers mm -hmm. for every beneficiary. When I came in this business in 1975, it was around 16 or 17 per beneficiary. So as, as April's pointing out, fewer and fewer workers. So what does that mean to the system? It has more and more pressure. And as we talk about some issues in a few minutes, what is that going to do as far as the wage base, taxation? Um, it, will we see an increase in the Social Security tax? for both the employer and the employee. There's a lot of issues there, a lot of moving parts mm -hmm. that unless you're, you're somewhat of a geek about this like I am, you would probably care about. But I'm to a point in my career where this is a very important topic, not only for me, but also clients of my age and older. So I, I keep up on this mm -hmm. and I want to know more about it. And also longevity. The longer we live, the more of a burden there is, April, on the system and people your age coming behind the baby boomers to fund this thing. That's right. So you've got less people who are paying into it. We're all living longer. Just puts more pressure on the system. Um, Social Security, they, they've been very uh, open about this, that by you know, 2034, they project that the trust fund will be exhausted. Um, so we know that there's going to have to be changes between now and then. Yes. And I would encourage you when you go to the Social Security website, go to the retirement estimator section and you'll find that they even go further. They say that in 2033, the payroll taxes collected would be enough to pay only about 77 cents for each dollar of scheduled benefits. And it was projected to be longer than that, but the revised numbers from the uh, trustees report says 2033. Mm -hmm. All right. This is something that is a good time to bring up subject to political agendas. And what I want to say there is no duh. <laughs> I mean, we're, as we're sitting here today, we are in a government shutdown. It was 16th day. I think it is 15th, 16th day. And it's, it's tied to consumer price index. And there's something called the Chained Consumer Price Index. And I would encourage you just to go uh, Google that and then form your own opinion on that. But what we're seeing more and more with all government programs, whether it be Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, they're under pressure. And I think we're going to see going forward that Congress is going to have no choice but to start making changes. What will they do? I don't know. Will they make it a higher age for full retirement? Will it someday be 70? Will they take away being able to take the benefits at 62? I don't know. I can tell you what I would do. It wouldn't be very popular, but if I had my way about it, no one would have ever been able to collect Social Security at 62. It was never mm -hmm. designed for that. I would have made it be at least 65 or 66 or even 70. 
Age 70 is what you have to use as mandatory distributions. It's called required minimum distributions for retirement accounts, like with age 70 and a half even. So it is subject to political agendas. There's a lot mm -hmm. of debate about the system's going to go bust, give me my money now. And April and I believe that a lot of this is fear-based. And we try to get our clients just to take a deep breath. Let's look at what you have. What have you done as far as your savings, your investments, your retirement plans? Let's look at everything and then determine what needs to be done. Don't let some well-meaning friends scare you into taking your benefit at 62 or even someone convincing you to wait to 70 if you really want the money now. Mm -hmm. It's your money. If you want it now and can use it now, take it. Take it. That's right. And, and Social Security, is it's not going anywhere. It's still going to be be around, um, you know, especially like John, like you're just starting Social Security or if someone's near retirement, you know, you're this is still going to be a benefit for you. Uh, I think for someone my generation, I'm, I'm 35, we're probably going to see a, a lot of changes over my lifetime around Social Security. Do I think it'll still be there? I do. But I think it'll be, it'll be different 30 years from now. Um, but we know that they're going to have to make some changes. Correct. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to go away. I think we're going to see changes in it. And, you know, my plan is to live to be at least 100 years old. That's right. So I'm going to be seeing these changes along the way and still surprising <laughs> people. <laughs> uh, but I think the I, I think we're to a point in our nation of where longevity, taxation, inflation, uh, savings, rate of return, investments, all of this has to be tied together. And anyone who is not looking at all of those when they're doing their retirement planning, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. Mm -hmm. Because most people have very short memories. They forget about how high inflation was back in the late 70s and early 80s. And I remember a interest rate on a mortgage that I got on a house was 12%. Okay. When it dropped down to 10, I refinanced. Mm -hmm. When it got down to 8, I refinanced. It went to 6, I refinanced. And people my age know that. But we also forget about what the stock market did, what the real estate market did in 2008. You and I talked about this a lot, April. We're seeing we people already making the same mistakes that got them in trouble in 2008. You want to elaborate on some of the things that you've, you've noticed? Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> You, you kind of said it earlier, too, that we have short memories. So we, we forget the pain of 2008 and 2009. We forget the pain of the recession. Um, you know, I was talking to some friends the other day and, you know, when back in like 2010, I had two friends who were out of work for 12 months to a year because there were no no jobs available. And we're seeing people today um, kind of getting back in the same boat where they're they're not paying attention to how much liquidity do they have. So can they weather a storm if there's another recession? If we see a drop in the in the stock market, can they weather that storm? And we're seeing people kind of set themselves up for failure in that way. We're also seeing people going out refinancing their homes. That's right. We're seeing ads on television where people are being encouraged to go out and refinance and get a hundred percent mortgage. Um, a lot of people out there use the home equity uh, like an ATM machine. They got them in trouble. 
Now, you might be sitting there going, okay, why in the world is John Curry and April Schoen talking about this regarding Social Security? <laughs> because it all comes together to create streams of income in retirement. We believe in giving you multiple streams of income, whether it be Social Security, pension, profit sharing plans, 401k, IRAs. How do you create streams of income that you can never outlive? And that's not subject to political agendas. Taxation, we can't change that. But we can design programs where you don't really care who's in office. Uh, frankly, I don't care if it's Democrats or Republicans as it comes down to my planning because of things I have in place where I know it will be there no matter what. All right, let's talk a little bit about something that April on this one, I know in seminars we cover in detail, but I'm going to hit this quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, the key point I'll make here is it's not meant to replace all of your income. Social Security was never designed in the 30s to replace all of your income. It truthfully was designed to keep people off of poverty rolls. Low income earners defined as people making $22,000 of pre-retirement income. Social Security replaces roughly 52% of their income. Max earners, it's only 25%. And some people say, well, wait a minute, if you're a max earner or a high earner, less of your retirement income will come from Social Security. And you'll hear sometimes, if you hear someone say, well, for someone who makes a high income or max earners, Social Security is kind of like reverse discrimination because those people are being discriminated against because they're paying in more taxes and they're getting less benefit. Well, that is that is correct. That's not some made up number. I mean, it's. Social Security shows you, yes, if you are a max earner, then only 25% of your income in retirement is coming from Social Security. And yes, you did pay in more because that's the way our tax system is. Mm -hmm. That the more money you make, the more you're going to pay in. Right. So the more pressure then, if you are in a, a high earner or a max earner, there's more pressure for you to put on your other retirement savings, your assets, to continue at the same income that you have pre-retirement or more. So you have to put more pressure on your assets to create the same amount of income. Yes. And if you now tie that to high inflation rates, high taxation, mm -hmm. and you're living longer, what does that do to your pot of money? Right. It makes it dwindle faster. And that's not good. Some of the saddest things that April and I see with clients who will have somebody come see us that heard about us from a seminar or a friend referred them, they come in and they lost a bunch of money in 2008, 2009, moved everything from stock market into money market accounts, They've been pulling money out and they're still sitting there getting less than one quarter of 1% and they're worried about running out of money. That's a sad situation. And what do you do? You, you Sometimes people will say, well, I want to get back in the market now. Are you kidding me? As volatile as it is today, you want to put all of your money back in the market. We can't do that. Mm -hmm. We've we, we got to be, we got to be diligent with the money. It can't all be high risk. All right, let's recap. Let's talk a little bit about what we've covered so far. And then April, before we end up today, I want us to talk a little bit about, make sure people on the, this uh, webinar understand our relationship, what to expect if they come sit with us and, you know, you're taking over more and more. Mm -hmm. you, you've um, uh, you've developed a clientele yourself. So I want to talk about that some. Okay. Okay. So let's just do a recap. 
Social Security is funded by taxation. Why is that important to know? Well, if we have fewer and fewer workers that are paying Social Security taxes, that tells me that the fewer we have, there has to be some conversation about increasing the rate of the tax. Or if I don't increase the tax rate, I increase the amount of money on which that tax is applied. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see the annual income limit go up. It's roughly 120,000. So up to the 120,000 is taxed. Over that, it's not. Now, Medicare, however, there is no cap. If you earn $10 million, then you're going to pay Medicare tax on that. We talked about the it averages your highest 35 years of wages. We talked about you have to, once you have 40 credits, you and your spouse qualify for a benefit. And we say, read your statement. <laughs> Get your statement. And if you need help with it, give us a call. You can, we've have, had people that would email it to us, and we'd have a telephone mm -hmm. appointment. We'd have people come in face-to-face. -face. We'd be happy to help you with that uh, mm -hmm. if we can. And we can run different scenarios, too. Um, if, if we have, especially if there's a married couple um, we, and we have a copy of your social security statements, we could run some different scenarios. Okay, what if this one takes it early? What if this one delays? And kind of look at some different scenarios there. Correct. And uh, it's important for us to say this, so just as a disclaimer here, disclosure, we don't represent the Social Security Administration. We don't, we don't claim to have all the answers, but what we can do is help you begin to see what the possibilities are. And on a regular basis, we refer people back over to Social Security. We say, call mm -hmm. them and get in there and uh, let them explain how this works. But some of it we can help you with, at least at least help you determine the right questions to be asking. Okay, let's continue with, with uh, summary. Full retirement age depends on what year you were born. We talked about that. Um, you know, do you take your benefits at 62, full retirement age, or wait until 70? Cost of living adjustment, we've talked about that. Uh, there's been three, four years, I think, with zero. And then this year's 2.8. Um, I was surprised it was increased that much, by oh, the it's way. Oh, And this, we have to say the word may, mm -hmm. uh, but it's not may. Taxes will... <laughs> reduce your benefit sign. Uh, working may reduce it. We talked about that $17,620 income limit at age 62. So keep that in mind if you're thinking about retiring early and still doing some work. Just be aware that it could impact your benefit. We talked about the spousal benefit, and the widow and widower's benefit. So uh, all of these we covered. Today was designed to give you kind of a uh, big picture and hopefully to get you thinking more about your own planning to where you want to explore and learn more, whether you do that by seeing us or reading, studying on your own, it's up to you. Um, we tell people that when we do the planning with you, there are only four things you can do with the information that we give you. You can ignore it, do nothing. You can take the information and do it all by yourself. You can take it to someone else who does financial planning, retirement planning, tax planning, let them do it for you or work with us and let team Curry, uh, the four of us here that uh, there's April, Jay, mm -hmm. Audie and me uh, to help our clients.
And I'm going to wrap up on this last visual here, April, so we can uh, take a minute and talk about what we see with clients. Uh, we talked about the funding issues for the future. You know, what's going to happen? Will benefits be reduced? Taxes increased? Will benefit age be changed? I don't know. Uh, it's going to be uh, exciting to see where that goes in the future. Uh, it's part of the political agendas. Both sides are going to be arguing and debating it. And it's not meant to replace all of your income. You mm -hmm. have to take personal responsibility, save, invest, and protect what you've got. Now, that's a good place to start to talk a little bit about what we got uh, a few minutes left here. Let's talk a little bit about what we do for clients when somebody comes in here. So let's suppose somebody's on this call that they don't know us. They've never been in here. Mm -hmm. Just give them a kind of an overview of what to expect. Sure. So um, sitting down with someone for the first time, I'd say, especially for having this conversation on retirement planning, uh, one of the things that we like to do is take them through what we call a retirement rehearsal. Uh, so what does that mean? Uh, one of the first things we do during a retirement rehearsal is we look at everything in your financial world. And I usually say we cover all the bases from A to Z. So we want to look at something as mundane as your car insurance and home insurance homeowner's insurance. Um, and we want to look at your, do you have do you have legal documents? Are they updated? We want to look through what you have as far as your assets, your liabilities, and kind of take you through our, our planning process and really just kind of cover everything from, from A to Z. And part of that too, especially we're doing a retirement rehearsal, is to go through and look at your social security benefits. Do you have a pension? Um, what pension, if you have pension options, what pension options you choose or what may be the best pension option for you and your family. And we walk through all the different retirement income sources that you have and we project you forward. So what does retirement look like today and what does it look like 10 years from now, 20 years from now? Very good. And I think it's important for people to know also, April, that uh, we don't charge for an initial meeting. We no. sit down and we visit. Yeah. If there's a fit, we'll know it at the end of 45 minutes to an hour. And then if we move forward, we'll, we'll charge a planning fee. And I go back to what I said earlier about once the plan is developed for you, uh, there's only four things you can do. You can ignore it, do everything yourself, take it to someone else or have us help you. But what you get by paying a fee for the planning, there's no pressure for you to have to buy a product. There's financial product. There's no pressure for us to have to sell a financial product. You'll get our time, our best thinking, our knowledge, and hopefully some expertise in there. Yeah. And hopefully a little bit of wisdom uh, mixed in. But more importantly, you get someone who would challenge your thinking. That we have people come in, so I want to buy XYZ mutual fund or I want to buy this particular insurance product. And when we start having conversations with them, those products are not appropriate. And now we're not stupid. If you come in, you want to buy something and we're in, we're in business to make money, but we're not going to do it at your expense. And one of the nice things about being in my position of semi-retired, if you will, we don't have to do any business. That's right. We don't have to. There's zero pressure. If you walk in the door, I don't care if you're an existing client or somebody new, we're going to have a conversation. And if you're not a fit, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say, mm -hmm. I don't think we're a good fit because I don't want you to be unhappy. Uh, this week I experienced on three occasions where people told me they would do something regarding doing some work on my property, on the house there, and all three let me down. They disappointed me. 
just mm-hmm. because they didn't do what they said they would do. So we don't want to be guilty of that. That's right. We don't. All right. April, talk a little bit about uh, if somebody's on this call and they say, wow, I'd like to know more, but I don't really want to come in for an appointment. Walk them through what we do regarding our telephone appointment procedure. Sure. Um, I usually say the, the first step is just to schedule a phone appointment. Um, and it'll take 25, 30 minutes. It can have a phone appointment with John, have a phone appointment with myself. And we'll just kind of start the conversation and talk a little bit about what your goals are and your plans. And we can tell you some more about our planning process and, and see if it if it makes sense to move forward. Um, on that note, one thing, too, to say is I, I'm here in Tallahassee today with John. And John's based out of Tallahassee and I'm over in Jacksonville. So any of you guys on the call in Jacksonville, um, I am I do live and, and work at our Jacksonville office. But then I do come to Tallahassee for meetings a couple times a month. Tell them how we uh, work together long distance with clients. Sure. And long distance is um, we do a lot of remote meetings, kind of similar to this, where we have uh, we'll share our screen, phone calls, web calls. So we, we do a lot of remote meetings as well with clients. We had one yesterday with some clients who have been clients of mine for about 40 years. That's right. They were sitting in Charlotte. North Carolina, April was over in Jacksonville, right. and I was sitting at the little island uh, in my kitchen on my property over in the woods, as my grandson calls it. Yep. It's pretty cool. That is cool. Technology. That's right. When it works. That's right. That's right. <laughs> it allowed us all to be on this call today. Correct. All right, uh, April, uh, let's do this. Let's let's wrap up by sharing with the, the folks on the call what we're going to be doing later this month with our seminar. Sure. So we are going to have a seminar um, here in Tallahassee on Social Security and Medicare. It's going to be on January 31st. That's a Thursday. It'll be from 6 to 7.30. So we're going to go into some more details about Social Security. Um, We're also going to go through Medicare as well. So that'll be a good event to attend. And we'll go through some of the items that we have. We can share with you um, in our living balance sheet, which is our our planning software as well. So you'll be getting emails on that and also a postcard. So keep Mm -hmm. keep your eye open for that. And uh, we hope you'll join us. And if you have anything that um, is pressing that you want to discuss with us, give us a call. Five six two three thousand, five six two three thousand, and uh, schedule a telephone appointment, and we'll go from there. Actually, anything else? And I, I realized on our slides I forgot to put my Jacksonville office phone number. Um, that's nine zero four two nine six one nine four four, and I'm an extension one zero two nine. Or you can just email me. I get that in both places. Very good. Okay, anything else that we want to uh, cover before we wrap up? No, nope, I think that that takes care of us going through Social Security. Very Perfect. Good. Thank, thanks so much again for joining us today. We really appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we hope to speak with you soon. If you would like to know more about John Curry Services, you can request a complimentary information package by visiting johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Again, that is johnhcurry.com slash podcast. Or you can call his office at 850-562-3000. Again, that is 850-562-3000. 
John H. Curry, Chartered Life Underwriter, Chartered Financial Consultant, Accredited Estate Planner, Master's in Science and Financial Services, Certified in Long-Term Care, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. Securities, products, and services and advisory services are offered through Park Avenue Securities, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Financial Representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect, wholly-owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial Corporation is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities. Park Avenue Securities is a member of FINRA and SIPC. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this material, we are not undertaking to provide investment advice for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact one of our financial professionals for guidance and information specific to your individual situation. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, or employees do not provide legal, tax, or accounting advice. Please consult with your attorney, accountant, and or tax advisor for advice concerning your particular circumstances. Not affiliated with the Florida Retirement System. The Living Balance Sheet and the Living Balance Sheet logo are registered service marks of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Copyright 2005-2018. through This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities or Guardian and opinions stated are their own.